Welcome to Cooper Talk. I'm your host, Steve Cooper, and remember, I'm only as hip as my guest. And I have to tell you something, people. It's great to have Blowfish for Hangovers back as a sponsor. And you know what? The timing is perfect because Blowfish is your guarantee that your holiday party season doesn't turn into your hangover season. So here's what you do. After a night of, you know, you may call it holiday cheer. You may call it big partying. Here's what you do. You get two Blowfish tablets, drop them in water, drink it, and in no time, your hangover is gone. And the thing is, Blowfish is real medicine. It's recognized by the FDA as effective, and it comes with a money-back guarantee. So that's right. Get it. If it doesn't work, which I'm telling you it will, you get your money back. So here's what we do. You get some Blowfish for yourself. You get it as a stocking stuffer. You get it for your secret Santa. You get it for a gift for that person who drinks everything, because we all know someone like that. And, and just get it. So here's what we do. You go to go. You go to fourhangovers.com. That's the website, fourhangovers.com. Use a promo code COOPER. And check out for 20% off your order. Do it today after the show. Don't do it during the show because you want to listen to the show. Anyway, we have we have a great show. Uh, I guess I'm, I, I, I started connecting with him on Twitter. And um, I'm a fan. I'm going to be honest. This guy is a, a great actor. He's, he's Everything he's been in, and I've enjoyed him. And my guest is Kevin Corrigan. How you doing, Kevin? Good. How are you? I'm good, man. Uh, you, I already asked you that already. You said you were fine. I, I the reflexive thing. It's all right. Hey, it's all good, man. Uh, so, so, uh, are you? How's you're in New York, right? What's the weather like back there? Are you guys getting hit by the snow yet, or is it cold, or what's going on? <clears throat> I'm not in New York. Where are you? At? But I hear it's cold there. I'm in New Mexico. What are you, what are you doing down there? I'm working on a film. Uh, and, uh, <clears throat> I mean, we can talk about it, but I don't know. I, maybe we should talk about other things. We can talk about it. <clears throat> maybe build, build up to it. But I'm, I'm, in, I'm in New Mexico. Okay. And, now, now you've been, how long have you been acting for? I know, I know, you know, you grew up in New York. When you were a kid, did you want to act? I know you, you, you went to Strasbourg, Valley, but what did you want to do when you were, like, when you were a little kid? Was your, was your home life? Was it surrounded by creativity or how did you start on this path to this career? To acting. Um, watching TV. I think that's where it all started because uh, I did do a lot of that and um, <clears throat> like a lot of people do um, or did back in the 70s. You know, you were uh, there was a lot of good TV on back then. Um, not, not that I, you know, really distinguished between good and bad TV or good and bad anything. Uh, but, you know, I, I, I was aware of, of uh, actors before realizing that I wanted to act. I mean, I didn't really want to act when I was a kid. Uh, but I liked actors. Well, I didn't. I didn't put it together that way. As I knew who Carol O'Connor was. You know what I mean? Right. Like I knew who. Uh, I knew who uh, um, Alan Alda was because of Mash and All in the Family and on all the shows that were popular at that time that you just ended up watching inevitably. You know, as an American. 
But it was it was amazing back then because you know we would I know my family we would you would watch TV on Saturday and you know you would see all in the family and all that and and you're right everyone everyone watched it and everyone related to it and everyone knew who those people were because I think it was also because we didn't have so many channels back then and it was something that was you know it was more of a family thing or just sitting there as a kid watching it. Yeah, yeah, you you were a, a bit more of a captive audience. There weren't, <coughs> you know, uh, your, your options were, were were sort of limited. You know, they didn't you didn't they didn't even have like you know uh, uh, VHS back then. They only had TV or movies. You'd go out to the movies, but anyway, on TV, you're right. You would watch these shows, and uh, but you know, like Barney Miller, things like that. Uh, you had your favorite characters, and uh, what what happened in their lives were, were, was kind of like an extension of your life, you know, as an emotionally invested uh, viewer, right? So, but I mean, also a television, uh, uh, also movies of the week. I. Um, there was a lot of, I remember seeing, you know, uh, uh, you know, Jesus Nazareth and Roots and Helter Skelter and, uh, and all all of those, all of those productions had an impact on me and the performances deeply, you know, like, I'll tell you this, there was a, do you remember the actor Paul Winfield? Oh yeah, yeah, of course. He, uh, uh, I was eight years old when a, 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 a movie that he starred in, was, you know, it was a TV movie called Green Eyes, and he played a Vietnam veteran. And I, I was, it just destroyed me. You know, I, 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 I was devastated by that movie, you know, years, years before I, I thought about acting or knew that it was, that acting was a thing you could do. But when I, um, I just watched it the other day on YouTube, and it and it, it 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 had the same emotional impact on me today. You know, as a forty-seven-year-old. Isn't that weird how those movies? Right? Isn't it weird how those movies do that? Because I know for me, when I was a kid, in Brian's song, when James Conn gives, I mean, when uh, sure. Billy D. Williams gives that speech to go out and says, "My best friend Brian Piccolo has cancer." Man, I was in tears. I was a kid. I mean, that stuff just grabbed me. Oh yeah, yeah. How can it not? It's, it's, it's. I mean, that's a sign of of something being well, well made. I think, uh, well acted, well directed, well written. First of all, <laughs> um, but you know, you don't, you're not, you're not aware of all that stuff when you're younger. But you don't really, you don't need to be as long as, uh, you know, you're sort of halfway functional. Uh, Emotionally, you know, if you can. Uh, um, my my father was a great fan of the movie Brian Song, and and of and of and of lots of uh, movies, and 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 uh, he he had he had really good taste, but he had his taste, you know. He was into, but he his taste became my taste, you know. He was a big James Dean fan when he was a kid, you know, and he grew up in the fifties, so he was right there, you know, when. Uh, People like Marlon Brando were coming up. He loved on the waterfront, and uh, but definitely, uh, 
you know, uh, um, I, when I kind of moved vicariously through each other that way, you know, I, I picked, I picked up on his uh, taste in movies and actors when I was a, a kid. You know, in addition to the stuff that I picked up on my own watching, watching uh, TV, and uh, and then after I, you know, became professional, he sort of lived through me. You know, as I began to to do the, the my own work, acting, and uh, it's all uh, it's all I've ever done, really. I've never, uh, I have not had another uh, another profession. That's that's so amazing. Now, now, when did you decide that you were going to pursue acting? At what age? I was uh, fourteen, and uh, um, I started. I started. Uh, actually, I was I was uh, thirteen. Thirteen. I, I started thinking about it, and then. Uh, I think I mentioned it to my folks, and you know, I had like kids that I went to school with. But actually, there was like one or two kids who did commercials. They got to to uh, to, to leave school early to go into Manhattan and 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 shoot commercials. I don't know how that was, uh, and it was intriguing, you know. Um, I wanted to be able to get out. <laughs> you know, to have an excuse to to leave school early, and I thought that would that would be that sounds like a cool thing to get to go and do. Um, but um, it wasn't until uh, I uh, I saw this movie Terms of Endearment when it came out, uh, not on purpose. Um, but I did end up in a, in a theater in, in uh, Yonkers watching that movie. And uh, that meant a lot to me. See, Jack Nicholson's performance is, I mean, you know, Jack is Jack. You know, uh, uh, it, it, it was a, a revelation. And, uh, and uh, also Shirley MacLaine, you know, like, I, I, that, that was it. That was the trigger. You know, I, I, after seeing that movie, I... Uh, you know, uh, uh, I, um, you know, I insisted on, on on becoming an actor, and, and my folks were, you know, they they had told me to give it a year, and a year went by, and then I saw that, and uh, and it was, it was, uh, you know, that's uh, that's when I decided I want to, I don't know, you know, but also, you know. Looking back on there, you know, like who who wrote and directed that movie? James L. Brooks. What well, what did he do before that? Taxi, right? You know, he was in television. So it was just a, a familiarity and a a community. It seemed like I was just very compelled towards. Uh, I ended up working with a lot of, of people I grew up uh, watching on television, like. Uh, like uh, I remember working with Steve, uh, uh, no, uh, Steve Landisberg, I loved Barney him. Miller, loved him, Barney Dietrich, Miller. Dietrich. Yeah, yeah, guy. He was the, he, he and he was he, as, as as enjoyable as he was to to watch him. He's like he he was that much fun to, to sort of hang around hang around with and work with. Being a Bronx guy, 
we had that in common, but but we also had uh, the business in common, and, and uh, um, it's a, it's a great industry. I, I, I'm lucky to to have uh, you know found a, a place in it. Now, and, you uh, started when you started working. You know, your your fir- what was your first big like your first your first movie was Lost Angels, right? That's right. No, no. I, 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 that, that is correct. Now, how did that come about? I mean, you were probably young. Did you get an audition for it? How did you get that audition for it? And, and could you believe that, you know, you were going to go do a movie? Um, I, 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 uh, it was a, a thrill to get the job. Uh, I hoped that I would get it. I, I mean, uh, I was, Maybe uh, I was uh, um, actually the, the opportunity came through the, the, the Strasbourg school. I was going to to Lee Strasbourg, and uh, um, a casting director, the casting director of that movie, was uh, looking for new faces. I guess That's how I remember it: new faces, just. Um, uh, uh, for this youth film, you know, that uh, the English director Hugh Hudson was making, and uh, so that was kind of uh, you know he was a prestigious filmmaker, Chariots of Fire, Grey Stoke, The Legend of Tarzan, and uh, Revolution with Al Pacino. It was a pretty serious opportunity to be in something serious. And, uh, um, I was, uh, I don't know if you'd call, you know, the kind of kid I was, uh, when I was going to Strasbourg, I wasn't, I don't know if you'd say ambitious, I was, an exuberance, you know, I was just having fun, uh, doing and acting and, um, they, uh, they, they, it kind of, it came through them, through Strasbourg. I got an appointment with the casting director. I went in, read through this person, and you know, some made made a, some kind of an impression on them. And you know, one thing led to another. It, uh, um, I, I met Hugh Hudson over uh, uh, a year. It's never, <clears throat> it's never really worked that way ever since. Thankfully, but I had to wait a really long time, like 11 months between the time I first read and the time they actually offered me the job. Um, and it wasn't a big part, but uh, it was a part in a movie that a lot of kids wanted to be in, actually. You talk to anyone from that time, it was like, oh yeah, Lost Angels. Uh, it wasn't a bit as big a deal, ultimately, as the Dead Poets Society. But there was a lot of a lot of kids, you know, a lot of kids back then, and they, you know, in the acting business or trying to get into it. Or, it's an exciting time. Uh, it was like a real, you know, talent pool of like people. Like uh, I could name a lot of them. Uh, but uh, um, 
but I, I it's still kind of personal. He's friends of mine, you know, people like, oh, I don't know. Uh, they're different people, you know. We're all, uh, no, no. We're all, uh, we're all, we're all middle aged now. That's the funny thing. Right. <laughs> now, after you booked that, did you feel a confidence? Did you feel like, okay, you know, I can book other stuff? Did it do something? Because you're studying acting and now you have a part in a movie and you said a lot of people wanted that movie. Did you feel, did you get a confidence? I mean, you said you were exuberant, which is a great thing, but did you get a confidence? Did you feel like a sense of accomplishment that you got that part? Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, yeah, a bit. It was a bit, uh, you know, once, I mean, once I... You know, once you get a, a little taste of something, of course you want more. And um, uh, like I said, I was, you know, I was like one of the gang. I, I wasn't like, it wasn't uh, like I had a, it wasn't like a, even a, a supporting role. It was uh, the guy, I had like maybe one or one line in the movie or two. The best thing about it was uh, the friends I made. Uh, uh, some some of whom are, are still friends today, and uh, and uh, you know the real takeaway of that experience is yeah sure I, I felt I felt confident that I that I'd overcome you know one of the initial hurdles you know like I I'm you know I, I finally. You know, I, when I got the part, I uh, it led to me getting an agent, and uh, so you know, finally, I, I had a film credit and an agent under my belt. Whereas, you know, uh, prior to that, I really had no idea how to to get an agent or get a, a part in anything. There's that period where you just don't know how you're going to do it, how you're going to get your foot in the door unless you have, uh, uh, you know, unless your parents were actors, which mine were, were not. I had no show business connections at all. So, uh, and no one can tell you, you know, what to do. Uh, even after, you know, enrolling at the Strasbourg Institute, I thought, I'm, I'm, you know what, no one there can really tell you uh, how how it happens. You just have to uh, put yourself out there, right? Uh, uh, and and uh, wait for something to happen or make something happen. Like there's something Brando uh, said in a some interview about talent needing to move, and that. Um, and he meant that in a, in, a, in a couple of different ways. He he meant it literally. Where is you know he you get yourself out to these parties and these functions and these events, wherever anything happens to be going on, where creative people are uh, are hanging out and doing things. You go to those things, you know, no matter where it is or what it is, you know local theater uh, or uh, um, um, uh, whatever, it, you know, it's like, you know, even after you're 
begin to establish yourself as an actor, you still have to go out and and socialize and, and be where all the other actors are. Uh, which reminds me of the George Carlin joke about uh, the expression, that takes the cake. He's like, where are you going to take a cake? Right. He says, I'll tell you where I'd take a cake, down to the bakery to be with the other cakes. So uh, you basically have to go where the other cakes are and be in your element. And uh, and then, it, you know, it, once you once you uh, kind of rub and shoulders with all the other actors, there's a little sort of feeling of uh, creative tension that gets going, uh, uh, a sense of competition and a sense of, of movement, you know, and a sense of urgency. Uh, um, where you know, like, I, I gotta hustle, you know, and uh, I don't know. As I'm, as I'm telling you all, this sounds kind of <laughs> silly, you know. Uh, no, but it makes sense. Like uh, it makes sense because I used to do, you know, I used to do stand up comedy, and we always, we always would, you know, hustle for the gig. And you tell your, you give your friends a recommendation, but then you knew that, you know, if they got the gig, you still had to be a stronger act than them. So you would keep your gig. So there was always like a sense of community, but but there was the competition there because it was one thing when you did better. I mean, that sounds awful, but you'd feel good. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's definitely true. I, I, I imagine, you know, <clears throat> I'm in the comedy world. I think that that's a much more aggressive game. But, but you, uh, you, you're right about, uh, um, you know, the, the sense of, of feeling better. Often I, I, uh, I felt like I was not as good as, as, as the other actors in my, you know, peer group or generation or whatever. I, I, uh, you know, I, I was as seriously as I, always thought I, I took acting, you know, I would meet, you know, I would end up meeting people crossing paths with people like, you know, Philip Seymour Hoffman, right? or Sam Rockwell, or Ethan Hawke, or these guys who are highly, highly fucking talented people, you know, and it was, uh, um, so <laughs> it's like, I'm, I'm going to best them. Right. I'm going to do better than them. <laughs> Uh, I'm gonna, I'm like, you know, it's like that's just not gonna happen. I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to start my own business, you know. Like I'm, I'm gonna have to start my own show business, right? So that, so that I don't have to compete with them. Yeah. <laughs> so and and you create that in your mind, you know. It's like that was how I kind of have, have navigated through this business is by just trying to. Uh, you know, you're always comparing yourself to other people. So I, I, I had to, it was, it was kind of hard work to, to stop doing that. And I, I don't even know that I have stopped doing that, comparing myself to others, other actors. But, uh, but I'm, it's a little more, uh, a little more sense of my, uh, my individuality. I don't know. It's, it's, again, you know, here, you know, uh, hearing myself saying all this stuff is, it's real embarrassing. 
No, it's it's it's, it's 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 the stuff that you know. It's true though. I mean, it's like you know. I think we always will always sit there. I mean, we compare ourselves. I mean, it's just something normal. I think when we're creative, and even though we are, you know, and you've been, as you said, you've been an actor your whole life. You've never really had another job, so of course. But you still, we always still sit there and go, "Hey, you know what?" But I, you know, I, I could have got that part. You know, I think we all just do that little. That little self-doubting, I think that's what keeps our motors going. If we didn't do that, then we'd just be like, forget it. We would lose that edge. Yeah, that's right. Now, what was it like for you? You were around when like, the independent movie scene was the independent movie scene. Now, you know, independent movies are big, bigger budgeted. What was that like? And how did you get so involved in that? Because you were in a lot of independent movies. And I think back then... Those movies really showcased acting and scripts and stuff like that. How did you get involved with that whole scene? Um, it was through an actor. An actor. Well, there, there was a particular uh, project <coughs> called Ribbon's Thief. That was the name of the movie. It was a, a, a 16 millimeter black and white uh, movie shot on film, you know, a real film, a real uh, film feature uh, uh, that was written and directed by a, a, a guy from New York, really from uh, Long Island, uh, a guy named Matthew Harrison. And uh, and I met Matthew through the star of, of, of Ruben Thief with uh, an actor named Jason Andrews. And... Uh, uh, Jason was in the film Boogie Nights. He went on to do Boogie Nights. He was in a, he played like the limo driver, the chauffeur. He comes in. And I just remember he had a scene where he slaps some guy in the face and he's like ODing. I don't know. Jason, Jason was from Long Island. Looks like, <coughs> he looked like Jack Kerouac, you know, he still does. And, um, and I knew Jason through, um, through, through uh, my first agent, who was this uh, great lady um, uh, named Molly McCarthy. And uh, she, uh, she was like Mother Hubbard, you know, like all the kids, would, you know, she would, they would crowd up her room and she'd have a radio playing, you know, Rolling Stones cassette and you know there'd be like cool posters all over the wall everyone was smoking it was like just uh like um she was like great she was like a really cool guidance counselor um uh, at, a, at an agency uh that no longer exists called writers and artists i'm thinking that you know maybe some people who listen to this interview are going to know i don't even remember writers and artists i don't remember that. right <laughs> I sent a quarry, I sent a quarry letter to him. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, no, it was that. That was a very good little um, community to become a part of uh, back in nineteen eight ninety or whatever eighty nine. That was a really nice, very, uh, uh, very uh, a nice group of people. Um, like I said, those are all the people that I that I met when I first 
came into the business and who I'm, I'm still friends with now. And, and, you know, ask any of those people, they're like, oh, yeah. And I, I, I hope that there's something like that today. I, I, I wonder what it's like for uh, someone who's 18, 19 who wants to be an actor now. I, I hope uh, there is still, uh, um, <clears throat> you know, well, with, with that, that particular agent, manager, mentor, um, you know, there was a lot of freedom, you know, there was a, a it was a very liberal scene, <laughs> right. you know, and, uh, you know, let's face it, you know, that, that, that's where a lot of, a lot of, uh, you know, uh, a lot of great stuff comes from, you know, uh, from a, 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 a permissive, open-minded environment uh, uh, where everyone is sort of all uh, mutually uh, inspiring each other, you know, whether it's sort of like, you know, a, a, a one-upsmanship or just like a, a, a feeling of wanting to, to, to raise up the people around you, you know, I, uh, you know, some people, you know, it's the people, uh, encourage each other and some people antagonize each other and it's all creative energy uh and uh anyway uh so i met jason andrews in that little sort of group and he knew matt harrison and they were already had this movie going rhythm thief and jason says you're really good for this part in it and i i went uh, and i Met them in a some Soho apartment and 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 read for for Matthew. Read Jason read with me and uh, that exuberance is came in handy, you know. Uh, 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 that afternoon and uh, when I say exuberance, I mean I'm talking about like the the energy that De Niro had in in Main Streets. Like that's who I really wanted to be back then. I wanted to be. Johnny Boy and Mean Streets, and I just acted like that all the time. You know, in my mind, that's how I was acting. You know, right? And people started telling me that, you know, that I sound like Christopher Walken. They've been telling me that since I was seventeen, and I was always like, really, you know, kind of disappointed that people didn't know that I was doing De Niro. <laughs> uh, No, 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 good, okay, you got it, you got it, uh, just get some takeout, uh, so, uh, <clears throat> and, uh, anyway, I did this movie, Rhythm Thief, and it, uh, it's a pretty gritty film, and it, 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 it attracted some attention, I don't know, I, right? uh, uh, it was, uh, it was a very interesting, uh, film, you know, and it had a nice, it had a, you know, it had a catchy story behind it in terms of like, you know, the way it was made, and it was kind of, it was sort of a, it came out of this, there was a lot of people from the East Village art scene that were involved in the picture, you know, so it had those connections too, uh, people like, uh, people like Ted Hope, I don't know if you know Ted Hope is, he's, uh, 
president of Amazon Studios now, but he was a big, he, pro- he used to produce uh, films by Hal Hartley. Okay. Um, uh, back, back then. And, you know, so he was, um, there's an actor named Bob McGrath who worked with a company called Rich Theater, which is a, uh, avant-garde, um, East Village Theater Company. And, um, it, it was sort of, um, you know, in a, in a way like the, the last, the last sort of gasp of the sort of downtown Andy Warhol kind of New York thing. Whether, whether it was authentically that, I don't know. But a lot of, a lot of people would say, no way, you know. <laughs> like, it was, you know, I, I, I sometimes think that I came, that, that my uh, career came of age, or that my uh, uh, early uh, uh, experience as an actor when I was studying and Wondering what would, what I what was possible for me, and you know, kind of just banging around around Manhattan, and you know, I always had to go back home to the Bronx. You know, uh, I never wanted to leave Manhattan because I just never felt like I was getting enough of it. Like I never really hung out at any cool places, and uh, it was really the post cool era. You know, like. Uh, People will tell you, you know, back then, 88, 89, 90, you know, there was plenty of people saying, man, New York used to be cool, not cool anymore. And uh, it was heartbroken. Right. <laughs> Are you going to tell me, you going to tell me that? you going to tell me I missed it? You know? I, I, I'm, I, no one's going to tell me when this party broke, you know? Right. I'll just start a new party. I'll be a one-man party. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So, so the independent and, movies, did when you were working them, did that help your acting skill? Did you think it gave you freedom? Uh, I mean, because then you start, after that, you started, you know, on a roll with TV. I mean, what did those movies do for you as an actor? Did they help you grow, do you feel? Yeah, they were kind of like, um, they weren't studio productions. Now, I have been in a few of those already, like Lost Angels, Good fellas. What else? Oh, Men Don't Leave, Paul Brickman movie with Jessica Lang I worked on. I like, you know, you work on those films and it's like, I mean, they fly you to LA, they fly you to Chicago, they put you up in a hotel and it just feels like a different ball game. And, um, Working on these independent films, working on an $11,000 feature, you know, by contrast, you, you, the, the sense of pressure isn't quite the same. And uh, often you're wearing your own clothes because they don't have enough money to, to have costumes. You know, you're, so the sense of freedom is, is greater. And, uh, and so you can flex a little more, and you know, with those with those independent films back then that I was lucky enough to be in, because I I, did, I had no kind of theater career. I could never book a play to save my life. You know, uh, that was a whole other uh, 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 um, 
or something. I, you know, if I didn't have the <clears throat> if the so-called indie film boom of the early '90s hadn't come along, I, I don't know where I wouldn't have had anywhere to hang my hat. You know, so because you know, I'm just kind of the kind of guy who appears to you know walk in off the street. Those are the kind of actors I've always loved. You know. You see somebody in a movie or play, and they come into the scene, and it's like, what are they supposed to be there? Because <laughs> people are people are always looking at me that way. Like, what's that guy doing here? Is he loud in here? Is he supposed to be here? So that's like I, that's how I knew I was doing my job. And in those independent films, like I, they definitely gave me a a place where I could finally start to use all of my, my Strasbourg training, you know, like I went to Strasbourg from 84 to 88, but I didn't really, you know, and then I started getting some jobs, but I didn't really begin to do Strasbourg type of work in, in films until the, the indie films that I got cast in. And so that's the value of, of those films, or, or at least of those those uh, those experiences for me personally, they were, you know, I, I I really got to sort of begin to relax and 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 uh, to be able to to live in front of the camera and and live out the stories that we were telling, you know, and um, and then uh, you know it, it it had there was this sort of feedback effect, you know. Uh, where, um, you know, uh, you, you wonder if you're doing this stuff, if people are going to notice. And uh, so Scorsese noticed the movie Rhythm Thief, you know, for instance. And that led to me and Matthew Harrison getting to do another film together for a lot more money, like uh, with a lot bigger budget, I mean. I don't know if that... Uh, uh, necessarily, uh, I don't, I don't know how completely uh, we benefited from that. There's a massive jump from like eleven thousand dollars to, I don't know, four or five million. You know, because to me, that's you know, even now, four or five million dollars sounds like a, a fortune. Doesn't it sound that way to you? Well, yeah, money, you know? yeah, I mean, that's, it's like, yeah, I mean, but it's like, then when you look at some of these movie budgets, you go, holy crap, what, that, that movie costs a hundred million, you're like, and you think, you go, how, a hundred million, you know, when you think about it, when you break it down in your head, you go, how, because you're right, five million for a movie sounds like a lot, and then you're a hundred million, and you go, what are they spending it on? You know, that's what always blows my mind. And, and you still got, I mean, especially now, I mean, I'm, I'm really starting to feel like kind of old and, you know, uh, uh, <clears throat> just sort of, uh, you know, uh, as, as, as naive as I felt when I was 18 and 19, uh, when, in terms of the, of the business and, and where it's at, I couldn't, I couldn't really tell you where it's at. You know, you'd have to have someone like Ted Hope. Where's the, where's, the, where's the independent film business at? Where's the film business at in general? I don't know where it's at. Um, it's, uh, you know, I, and I'm, I'm talking in terms of 
Well, you know, in different ways. You know, the way films are financed, the way they're distributed, uh, the way they're the way they're made. They're, I just read something today, like uh, um, some someone put out a list of uh, twenty-seven films that are coming out in twenty seventeen. Uh, from people like, you know, P.T. Anderson. He's got a new movie coming out with Daniel Day-Lewis in it. And, uh, um, uh, well, a lot of interesting sounding stuff, actually, that I didn't previously know about, you know? Uh, I'm sitting there reading reading this, like, how come I didn't go in on that? Right. <laughs> Wasn't that? You know, so things haven't really changed that much for me over 30 years. Well, no, you still sitting there going, "How come I'm not?" I don't know. I think that's maybe something every actor goes through. Yeah, but you're you always thinking you're the only one who feels that way. Yeah, but you work <laughs> you work so much. I mean, now with your TV work, I mean, you you know, when you were on Grounded for Life, what was that like? When it was a series that ran for like five years. I mean, for a guy who was doing indie movies, what was it like transitioning? Because you you did some different series. You know, you did Pearl and stuff like that, but. What was it like when you had a series that was running for a few years? Did, did you feel the stability, or did you get bored a little bit because you 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 background was the indie movies? Yeah, stability can be kind of boring after a while, um, but it's paying the bills, and it's it's like you know when you're young and you know when you're starting out, you you have this whole thing about exposure. You do you know this would be a good thing to do because you get a lot of exposure, and it's like. Um, I, I, uh, I, I don't, I don't think actors ever get over that, you know, even Brad Pitt, you know, it's like, if, you know, if you are exposed all the time and then you stop being exposed for a week, you'll start to lose your mind. Um, and, uh, so... But, but really, like the best thing about being on on a on a on a on a, a sitcom that you know we were lucky enough that it it got picked up four times, you know. So we were we were on the air for like four and a half years, you know. Or we were in production for four and a half years, and then before the show was canceled. Now that's that's pretty great, you know. It's not Friends. We didn't do a. We were just shy of a hundred episodes. None of us were making like a a fortune doing the show, but it was more money than, uh, um, than you would make just being like a day player on a feature film or whatever. So there was, it was, um, but it was really, it's always about the work, you know, it's, it's like when you're sort of tallying up the pros and cons of, of all this stuff. I mean, for me, the, the biggest takeaway all the time, all the time, is 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 the job itself. And uh, I I uh, when when you when you when uh, uh, and you've signed all the dotted lines and you've told everybody you know yeah I'm working on this and you're kind of just sort of taking it in and feeling good about having booked something and. You get there and you you get to the job and it finally it just comes down to memorizing the lines and running the lines with the other actor 
and then having a director come in and hopefully he's not someone you're going to want to punch out, you know, <laughs> for saying stupid things. Uh, or, uh, or, you know, like, uh, but it's always, it's like, you know, I, 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 I don't need to come off sounding like superior, like an elitist or anything, because a lot of the times uh, people that I judge that way, I end up having a great deal of respect for by the end of the project, you know, and I uh, find that I misjudge them, and uh, I was the idiot, you know. Um, but um, you know, it's it's what it's the creative process, you know, where everyone's allowed to fuck up, and uh, if you put your foot in your mouth, that's all right. It's it's experimental. It's it it's, it ought to be experimental. So that great professional situation that makes me feel like I'm back in the in the Lower East Side making rhythm beef is a good job to me, you know. Uh, and and what it really means to to uh, to be in this business, uh, whether or not my you know. Uh, whether or not a, a project raises my profile or some shit like that, I, I, uh, uh, it's like, did I get to work with some good actors today? Did we get to, did we go have a drink afterward and talk about, about, you know, about whatever, like about Scorsese movie? Um, which is what, a, what people like to do, you know, that, you, you know, how, how many, you know, it's like, once you start talking about, like, uh, Goodfellas or, or any film, you know, it's, 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 I'm kind of in a privileged place, you know, because I was in some of these movies that people like to quote. Nobody ever quotes me from those movies, <laughs> but it doesn't matter. I was in them. So, you know, uh, 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 it was, uh, it's when you can get into a, a place where there's some good banter and some good sort of hanging out and, you know, sort of, just sort of, uh, sort of barroom kind of philosophizing and drinking and, and, and people, you know, uh, doing impressions and talking about stuff and sort of uh, just, uh, just, just stirring up the shit, you know, just throwing things around and, and being uh, just uh, experimental, you know. Uh, that's, that's the way I like it. You know, I like it to be like the late 60s. Well, you know, when there was experimental music being made, you know, uh, uh, just 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 throwing the paint around, and I don't know. I, uh, uh, again, I'm starting to feel a little uh, silly talking about all this. No, stuff. No, I, I want to ask you, you know, because you know, you know, you say experimental and stuff. You know, you you were you did some you were doing network TV, but now you know with Dice and with the uh, the Get Down, you've gotten different vehicles. What was it like with Dice? Because, I mean, th that's one show that, you know, everybody I talk to thinks that show is hysterical. And I know it's coming back for a second season, I believe. But it was like, what was it like shooting that show? Did you think that it was, did, did you, when you read the script, did you think it was funny? Yeah, I, I thought it was, I thought it was funny. Uh, uh, but I also thought the idea of me being Andrew Dice Clay's best friend was fun. Uh, in a way that you couldn't write. And um, I was very eager to get in, involved with that. And I, 
I'm glad I got it. I was in suspense for like you know enough time went by where I thought they they must have moved on. Uh, but then they called up, and I frankly was not surprised uh, because there's a there's a very interesting kind of contrast between uh, you know uh, between uh, Andrew and and and, and I and. Uh, um, and yet there's something, I think, very, uh, organic about, about, about me and him. And, uh, um, this all kind of was joyously kind of confirmed in my own mind when I went out there to, to read. I had to go out and read, uh, and, uh, you know, I got there, he was a little late, but when he finally showed up, he, he just, he told everybody, you know, all, all the executives, like, look, this guy just came in from New York, you know, on a plane, let me, let's leave us alone for a few minutes, you know? Uh, um, and so we went and just sat alone together, me and Dice, you know, in this little office, and he lit up a cigarette, <laughs> like, that you smoke in here? Uh, it's like, uh, you know, it's like Fox 21 or whatever out in Santa Monica. And he's like, yeah, hey, don't worry about it. So where are you from? You know, within like minutes, we were talking about the Bronx and Brooklyn. And that's all. That's 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 it. We were, we were like off to the races. We were just talking to each other. <coughs> uh, you know, uh, Man to man, you know, whatever you want to call it, person to person, actor to actor, New Yorker to New Yorker. It was like, um, uh, and uh, I, you know, I I find him really interesting, and and I think the feeling was mutual, and uh, it was like, uh, uh, it was, I, I'd say that 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 shows kind of experimental in its own way. Uh, whether it is or not doesn't matter. It is to me, you know. Every time I step on that set <laughs> and me and 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 Dice do a scene together, it's it's like uh it it feels very creative and, and very uh very uh, uh experimental to me. Is and, and exciting. Is your character Milkshake based at all on Club Soda Kenny? Um, because I know Dice I has a bunny. I want to say no because okay. he's told me who that character is based on, and that's I don't <laughs> think that's the guy. Okay. <laughs> so okay, we have a few minutes left. You got to tell me about the movie you directed. Two people he never saw. It's uh, what made you what made you direct a piece? I mean, it's a short story, and it takes place in New York in 1944, I believe. What made you choose that era? And uh, and the acting was great. You guys were great. I mean, for one scene, pretty much in the bar, it was it was excellent. What made you choose that era and that story to direct? Um, you know, I like J.D. Salinger a lot. I like the period. I, I've always been attracted to like uh, you know the New York in the early 60s. New York in any era, really. New York in the 50s, New York in the 40s, New York at the turn of the century. I just love New York. I'm from New York, and I, I you know, I, I uh, uh, 
you know, I, I'm never going to leave my, uh, it's uh, a place that fascinates me and, uh, and uh, you know, the voices, the New York people, you know, and uh, also, you know, so McNulty, uh, you know, he was, uh, he wrote for the New Yorker as Salinger did. I, like, they, they, that their styles aren't at, at all alike, but, um, you know, he, uh, you know, uh, this writer John McNulty, he brings the New York of the 40s to life. Um, he brings characters to life, and similarly to the way, you know, Challenger brings New York to life, say, in Catcher in the Rye. And um, uh, it's like a time machine, and I, I uh, um, well, you know, this it's about two guys in a bar around Christmas talking about how <laughs> disillusioned they are, <laughs> well, one of them is anyway, about, about Christmas, and they're drinking, and I, I love old bars. I love drinking, and I love, uh, you know, uh, you know, stories about people in, uh, you know, who drive cabs and hang out at the racetrack and uh, uh, get drunk, and um, um, who who are kind of broken and searching. Uh, you know, I'm a I'm a sort of a non-practicing Catholic. Maybe that just means I'm not Catholic or not religious. But I don't not believe in a, a spiritual life. You know, like uh, you know, part of the sort of a urge to create or to engage in sort of experimental uh, creative situations is a, is to me a, a, as highfalutin as it might sound, a, a search for. Uh, spirituality or spiritual fulfillment and uh, uh, and you know I, I uh, you know you don't always get that in church you end up sort of searching around for it in, in you know other other religions or you know uh, bad relationships or uh, bars or books you know uh, like the who song the seeker you know you just Chasing your own tail, maybe at the end of the day. And uh, anyway, I uh, I like John McNulty a lot as a writer because he's Irish. Uh, I, I can relate to some of this stuff, and it was also just you know the cheapest thing to shoot. It was two guys in a bar, very economical. It didn't cost that much to make. And I will say this: I must say that uh, even though it's uh, it says that it's co-directed by myself and a guy named Marcel Simonot. The movie was directed by by Marcel Simonot. He 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 made the whole thing come together. I mean, I brought the material to him. He didn't know about McNulty before I introduced him, but he uh, he's in the bar business himself. He owns a whiskey bar in, in Brooklyn, uh, and uh, he. And he's, he's also an acting teacher at, at Strasbourg, as it turns out. And uh, he related to the material, and I like no one else. I wouldn't it wouldn't have got made without his help. <clears throat> uh, he hired the DP. He hired all the background actors. He you know rented all the costumes. And uh, my friend Nick Sandow from Orange is the New Black plays the, the main character in the in the in the film. He helped me out. He he. Uh, I mean, you know, 
know, the whole movie is basically a, 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 19, a 19 page monologue by this one guy. I, uh, um, but, uh, we made it, you know, I had this movie Fat City in mind with, uh, um, Stacey Keach and Jeff Bridges, uh, um, uh, you know, I, I had ideas about, I don't know, I, uh, it was my way of, of going back in time. I really, part of me just would really like to know what it was like to, to exist in the 40s in New York, you know, and, and this movie was my, uh, this project to people he never saw was uh, how I thought I might achieve that goal. And uh, I'd say about 65% of what I hoped would end up on screen actually did. And, um, um, and uh, you know, now it's on, it's on YouTube. You can watch it for free. Uh, um, I did get to meet McNulty's son. He was about 60. And uh, he was an interesting, he was an interesting guy. But anyway, that's, uh, um, you know, I love, I love Cagney. And um, I love, um, I love old, old, those old movies. I love old people. I love everything that, I love, I love a lot of old things, like Steve McQueen in that movie, The Hunter. He says, new things are no good. And, uh, um, I just, I like the, uh, um, you know, there's, there's a, there's a, a, a spiritual hunger to, to that material. Or it's a, it's a story about spiritual hunger. And, and it takes place around around this time of year. Right. That's what I liked about uh, it. It, yeah, it was yeah. good. So, anyway, we're we're about out of time. I uh, I want to thank you for coming on, man. It was uh, I'm, I'm glad we got to hook up because uh, I'm a I'm a fan of your work, and I enjoyed that movie. It sort of reminded me of the Pogues video, the Christmas song they do. I think it's the Pogues where the guys in New York at the bar. Anyway. But uh, now, now you yeah, fairy tale, fairy tale of New York. Yeah, exactly. That's that's, that's, the, that's the feeling, sort of, that you get, and I, and I love that feeling. I'm like you. It just said it got that black and white, just that that you know what I'm talking about. Anyway, so now you yeah. tweet, you tweet a lot. You're 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 at Kevin F Corrigan on Twitter. Yeah. Okay, so people follow Kevin F Corrigan. Go back on IMDb. Look up Kevin Kevin Corrigan. Go watch all his work because he's a tremendous actor. And go to YouTube, you said. You can watch two people you never saw on YouTube. So please follow him on Twitter. Follow me on Twitter. It's at Cooper Talk. That's at Cooper Talk. Go to my website, coopertalk.net. I have over 575 episodes up there. Email me, cooper at coopertalk.net. Don't forget my other website, stopthesalt.com. When I had my health problems, I wrote a cookbook. So go to stopthesalt.com. 120 low sodium recipes. They're easy to make. They're not intimidating, and they're good. And if you get it there, I'll sign it for you. You can get it at Amazon, but get it to Stop the Salt. And don't forget also to go to uh, fourhangovers.com. That's Blowfish for Hangovers. Fourhangovers.com. Put in Cooper when you check out. You get 20% off. So anyway, people, please go check out Two People You Never Saw on YouTube. Follow Kev at Kevin F. Corrigan on Twitter. I'm Steve Cooper. I'm only as hip as my guest. Don't forget, drink your water, eat your vegetables, take your vitamins, Go get your Christmas tree. Go get ready for the holidays, wherever you get. And I will talk to you guys next week.